Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many were glad when you knew that you'd be coming into the house of the Lord this morning? We came into the house with expectation of not only what God will do, but actually being in the presence of the Almighty God. Today is Palm Sunday. This is a time that commemorates the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. We know that that leads into Holy Week. And next week we'll be celebrating Easter. And with that triumphant entry, they lay out palms as they worship the King of Kings. As we go before the Lord this morning, how many of us that are thankful for what happened on that next Sunday, that we will lift up the name of Jesus, magnify him, worship him, because he is the true King of Kings, and he's the Lord of Lords. Let us worship the Lord together. As you stand to your feet, lift up your hands, lift your voices, and we go before the Lord and King Jesus Christ.
speak. Let's worship him right now in the name of Jesus. Children's Church, you can be dismissed as you are able. Let's just lift our hands and worship the Lord.
and uh, we had a great time here at 9.30, and I believe the Lord's going to minister now in this service. I, I want to talk to you out of Zechariah. Anyone know what today is? Palm Sunday. What's Palm Sunday about? Triumphal entry. Amen. I'm going to read out of Zechariah 9. I'm going to tell you one scripture out of Joel 3. But I do want to just mention Job for a moment. And uh, Job in chapter 1 was a man, there was a man named Job and he was perfect and upright, feared God and eschewed evil. His substance was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she asses, very great household. And so this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. So he was the greatest in that entire area. He was the wealthiest. He had the most. And, uh, and Job loved God and, and Job worshipped God. And we know that Satan accused Job and, uh, and then God removed the hedge around Job's life for a season. And in that, if we look, it says that uh, during chapter 1, if we look, the Sabians fell upon them. And uh, basically his sons and daughters were eating and drinking in their eldest brother's house. And all of a sudden there's this one that's able to come back and tell him, I only I am alive. God, then it looks like the enemy had taken away his children, had taken away his livelihood, and it doesn't stop there. If we go into chapter 2, he takes away his health, and it's just a very, uh, very disheartening situation for Job. It's one thing after another thing after another thing after another. And uh, I want to go to the triumphal entry, Zechariah 9. It says, I will encamp about mine house. This is the Lord speaking because of the army. And uh, if you look at Joel chapter 3, it says, And there shall no strangers pass through her anymore. Talking, uh, speaking the same prophetic word about what we read in Zechariah 9. Because of him that passeth by, and because of him that returneth, and no oppressor shall pass through them any more, for now have I seen with mine eyes. Verse 9, 500 years before the actual triumphant entry of Jesus. Zechariah prophesies it, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. If you can trim me down just a little, please. Lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace unto the heathen and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and as I was studying for this and, and I was reading about the prophecy of the triumphal entry and 
verse 9. I continued on and I read, and it goes on in verse 11. It says, For thee also by the blood of thy covenant I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. So a couple of things here. It talks about the blood of the covenant, and it talks about he's going to send you forth out of the pit wherein is no water. In verse 12, turn you to the stronghold, turn to God, ye prisoners of hope, specifically says ye prisoners of hope, even today, even today, do I declare that I will render double unto thee. I want to talk out of that verse 12, prisoners of hope, prisoners of hope. If one of our ministers would lead us in prayer, let's call on the name of Jesus right now. Minister, Lord, through our pastor today, Lord Jesus. Pouring to him, Lord, a devout word, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. That strengthens us, encourages us, Lord, and gives us the hope, Lord, to carry on, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, hallelujah, for your word, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. As it moves through this place, Lord Jesus, to touch each and every saint, Lord, and online. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Something that stands out to me is this statement here in this prophecy. If you look at Zechariah throughout, there's so many prophecies about the coming of Christ and then about the second coming of Christ. And, and it's just like this whole chapter is full of prophetic utterances. And what, what stands out to me, though, is when he said, you prisoners of hope. And I, I read that, and there was something that just grabbed me when I read through that. And I, I had to stop, and I had to, it was just like that automatic, oh, Lord, that's, that's it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and so I, I began to realize he, he's calling us prisoners of hope. And... I got to thinking, I, I, I don't like being a prisoner. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, uh, Brother Mike knows what I'm talking about. I've been in a prison, not sentenced, but I worked as a medic in a prison. I did sick call, and, and he, he was a correctional officer at one time, and, and some of you may know or have been in, or it, 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 it's not a very happy place. And there is, there's not really a lot of joy in there. And when you go in, if you work there one day, you go in and that big door slams behind you just like it slams behind everybody else. And, and you are really locked in there for, I, I was locked in there for 12 hours when I would go in. I, I would go in at about 6.30 and I would walk out of there at 7.30 every day. And, and when I was on like four days straight, I, I began to feel like I was a prisoner. I know it wasn't, but I felt like it. I couldn't go, my, they gave me a break, but I couldn't go outside. They even fed me. And I gained so much weight when I was in prison. I don't know what they put in that food, but I, I just blew up. And, uh, but it's a very sad place. I, I remember 
in prison. One kid coming to me, and, and I, he kept coming to me. So uh, I, I talked to him one day, and, and he began to tell me how his dad was an apostolic pastor. And he had made some mistakes that had brought him in there. And he began to explain those. And, and I began to pray for him right there in that exam room. And I, they, they've got cameras all over, but I didn't care. He didn't care. We began to call on the name of Jesus in that place that really seems like there is no hope. He began to tell me all the things that he had done in his short life up to that point in time that had taken him to that place that he was in prison and that place that really seemed like it had no hope. And, uh, and then another time I was in the jail and working in a young man that I went to school with and he was four years younger than I was. And, and he came to me and he said, you remember me? And I, I, I really could not recognize him. And he began to tell me his name and, and he was this kid and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it like I did earlier, and just plain and simply, he, he grew up, he was four years younger than me, he was kind of a nerd. And I was like, what are you doing in this place? What brought you here? How did you get here? How did you get to this place of despair, this place of hopelessness, this, this prison, and, and literally? And, and, and he said, well, I, I became addicted to uh, Oxycontin and... He's like, it started out, I was taking the pills and just, you know, one every once in a while and I kind of like the feeling. And, and, and then before you know it, that didn't satisfy me. I had to get more than my own prescription. And then that's how it didn't satisfy me after that. And, and I had to basically, he, he liquefied it and put it in his veins. And, and then after that, he couldn't get enough of it. So next thing, this good kid, good kid, started breaking into houses to steal things in order to go and suffice this habit. And now he found himself in, in jail and it didn't look good. He, I, I'm not sure about all the legal things, but he was up on like a three strike thing or something that they had in Georgia. And it really looked like a pretty hopeless situation to him. And, and, and as I dealt with people when I was in prison and jail, many were looking at long sentences. I even had times that I came across people that were literally in there for their entire life. There was no hope in there. There was no joy in there. It, it honestly seemed like a pit. The best way to describe it, anybody that ever worked in a prison or been in prison or in, any of those things, you know what I'm talking about. It just felt like a big, giant pit. The clock ticks slower when you're doing a lot of time. The days and the years go by at a much slower pace. And, and it seems as if there is no hope inside this pit of despair. Some people may never be locked up in prison and know what it's like to be in bondage uh, of a jail cell. But perhaps you may know what it's like to be emotionally locked up. You, you may know what it's like to be incarcerated behind something that you, you, that captivates you and leads you to a place of bondage 
to where you don't have any hope anymore yourself. You can be sitting on a pew right now and have no hope and be chained up to all kinds of things that are hindering you, that have imprisoned you, and that lead you to a place that you are hopeless. And as I think about different things that would incarcerate us, maybe not in a physical jail, but would incarcerate us, there, there's a lot of different things. One of the things I think is addiction. Addiction, whatever the addiction is, leads people to a place often of incarceration. This young man was addicted to Oxycontin and it led him to a place of prison ultimately. He was a good kid. And yet, this drug took him down this path that led him to this bondage, to this place he would not have any hope. Drugs is one of those things. It starts out, you can have this much, and, and, and you get addicted to that. And then you got to have more. And then you want it another way. And, and, and so you start experimenting with more dangerous ways to get that drug. And, and before you know it, a very good person is incarcerated, chained to this addiction called drugs. Whether it's Oxycontin and legal drugs or whether it's illegal drugs, things that people make in their kitchens and things like that, it leads down a path that leads to a place of hopelessness where there is no hope. They don't think that there is a way out. All they know is they are chained up to that drug and they just need their next fix. Not just that. A lot of people are addicted to pornography in this hour. And, 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 and they're hooked on, I, I don't know where they get it from, but you know, it starts out maybe as a little pop-up. And, 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 and that does something in the brain. And, and, and it, it's like it releases these endorphins in the brain and it, it's almost like the drug. They kind of get a little high off the pornography. And, and, and then that little dose doesn't satisfy them anymore. They got to have another dose. And then that one way doesn't satisfy them anymore. So they, it, it, it's like it just it leads them down this wide path. This very destructive, and, and then they can't get to where they, they get to where they are not satisfied unless they get their fix of pornography. I didn't get as many amens on that as I did on drugs. And, and, and so it ultimately leads them to a pit of despair and a place of hopelessness, a place they don't think they can ever get out of. Let, let me kind of simplify it for everybody. And make, let me make it easier. It's kind of like debt. You take that little credit card. I don't have mine with me. And you think you need something? You don't even have to insert it anymore. Just tap and go. I mean, they're making it faster. Ah, that was fun, wasn't it? And, and, and before you know it, you spent, you know, $30 a month on this and 
$50 a month on this and you need a new car, right? $478 a month on that and forgot the insurance. Oh, let me throw on another $223 a month and then, oh, I need a new house and $1,800 a month and, oh, I got to pay for the house insurance and all oh, the, the power bill from that small house to this big house just giant and double. What was I thinking? Why did that power bill double? Well, it happens when you double your space. And before you know it, you were making, I don't know, $5,000 a month. And now you're paying, I don't know, $5,500 a month. And you don't know where the next bill is going to get paid. And, and, and guess what? It, it creates a place of bondage, a prison, a prison of death, a prison of death. Maybe that simplified it a little bit, you know, because I know maybe that's not you with drugs and maybe that's not you with pornography. But guess what? Many of us have a battle. Many of us have a battle. It may not be the same battle, but we all have a battle. alcohol destroy family after family after family. You tell me, well, uh, I can get control of it just like you got control of death and pornography and, and drugs. No, you're not going to get control of it. It's going to control you. And I've seen so many marriages destroyed. I've seen children, mothers trying to raise their children because some uh, uh, ex-husband got addicted to alcohol or an ex children everywhere because the mother's addicted to alcohol. It, it's an addiction that leads you into a pit. You can't, you're not satisfied with just a little bit. You have to keep getting more and more and more and more and more until it has you locked inside of its prison. All these things are prisons. They're, they're, they're places that put you into a place. It's a downward spiral. It's, it's it's a prison house that, that, that you need to run from some of these things. You've got to learn. Let me tell you what you got to learn to do. You've got to learn when you're addicted to something to not have anything to do with it. You've got to cut it off. I had my heart attack. And I came, I, man, I came out of the chute on a killer diet. Uh, I was just killing it. But you want to know what I did? I figured out this one thing. I am addicted to sugar. I mean, you can laugh, but I'm being very serious. And, 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 and it's like, well, you can just eat one. You cannot put a jar of cookies in front of me and tell me I can only eat one. Not happening. And then these ladies found this, I don't know, what's it called? Crumble. 24 grams of saturated fat per cookie. I mean, they taste great. And, and my wife's got this principle when she gets those things, she slices them up into like, I don't know, 10 pieces. Eight, eight pieces. And the eight pieces is one thing, guess what? If you only ate one piece. But I can't just eat one piece. Because I eat pieces and I slide them over. That was pretty good. Before you know it, I'm walking back by our little, we've got a little bar that's above our kitchen counter. I'm going back in there. My wife's in the bedroom. I'm just going to lift it up. And 
Kim's Burgling Hut. What you doing? Nothing. It's not doing anything. Great, this is it. And then you let me and Brother Munden go out of town. Oh man, I, how many of those cookies did I get, my brother? Oh, Jim, I, I had a box of ooey, gooey, crumble cookies and a half a gallon of milk. No cutter. My wife's back here going. No, it was, it was skim milk. Well, skim milk, skim milk. When he says, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a principle. It works the same way. And, and, and I, really, I told my wife, I said, for all these cookies you're bringing in the house, you're going to have to find a hiding place. Because I, I, just, I, I mean, I, I can't know they're there. I will wake up at one o'clock in the morning and scavenge through those cabinets until I find them. Because for me, it's either all or none. And, and, and it's that way for sugar. It's that way for debt. It's that way for oxycodone. It's that way for Jim Beam, or Schlitz, or whatever. It, 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 it's, it's not you're just going to break off a little piece. And, and you're going, no, no, ladies, I know y'all just do one piece. Y'all got your calories counted, and you're not going over. What I understand, I'm not that way. It, 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 it's like I fall into it completely and before you know it like if she brought home four I've got three and a half of those cookies eaten and my wife comes back through and said what happened <laughs> guys all you gotta do is scatter some crumbles on the floor <laughs> and she'll blame the dog every single time <laughs> somebody give the Lord a hand If you can get her in there before the dog comes through and cleans them up, you're good to go. Scatter the box on the floor. You're, that's how you do it. Zion, Zechariah, chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just. And having salvation lowly and riding on an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Here is, 500 years before it comes to pass, here is the prophet prophesying, this is the Lord, the word of the Lord coming forward, that, that Jesus Christ is going to come. And that, but it doesn't stop there. As I began to read, it, it tells us, he shall, the battle bow shall be cut off. The weapons of the enemy will not affect you. And if it goes on, he says, He shall speak peace unto the heathen. His dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from river even to the ends of the earth. And then it says, As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. What, what, what's it, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm saying there is a covenant. And when you are in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, when the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life, you are in covenant with Him. 
and, and he declares here that, that he's going to allow them to come out of the pit. I don't know if you've ever been in a pit. I don't know if you know what it's like to be in a pit, but, but whether it's a pit from drug addiction or a pit from alcoholism or a pit from one of the other pits, sugar addiction, or a pit from death. Anybody ever been in a pit of death in your life? I mean, to where you, you had more going out than coming in. Depression is a pit. Depression is a pit. I've, it, it, it's kind of like you're in this hole and you're in this pit. And it's dark. And it's like you're in this dark tunnel. Am I right? Anybody that knows what I'm talking about. And, and, and you're in this tunnel and it seems like there is no way out. But when you get used to staying in that pit, in that tunnel, somebody can drop a, a ladder to you or a rope and you're so far in this pit now that you just look at it and you don't have a desire to climb out of that pit. That's what a prison of depression is like. And here Zechariah is prophesying about Jesus' triumphal entry. Why is that important? It's Palm Sunday. And Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And he's not just coming. It was prophesied he was coming. And he's coming riding on a donkey. And he would cut off the battle bow of the enemy. And he would establish a blood covenant that would bring prisoners out of the pit. That means when you are in covenant with Jesus Christ, there are a lot of pits that you were in and have been. That God is going to lead you out of. And He's going to, if you turn to the stronghold, that's Jesus. If you turn to God, it says you prisoners of hope. And when it got to that point that it said you prisoners of hope, it almost got hilarious. Because I looked over my life and I realized when I had my abdominal surgery that I thought was going to be life changing and I, I was looking at the worst the, it, I ended up probably getting the best outcome but when I was looking at that I, I was somewhat in this hopelessness place and, and, and I didn't know I, I didn't really have a lot to look forward to I didn't think and in my humanity and, and what the doctors were saying they were going to do the best they could do but they couldn't guarantee anything until they finished up and and then when I had my heart issue, the same same thing, you know, and when I got up the next day, it was kind of, for a little bit, or maybe that evening, it was a little hopeless. I'm like 53 years old. I've had major abdominal surgery. I've got a little piece of metal right now that is the only reason my blood's still pumping. And I'm young. And, and, but but I wanted to go into this place. I wanted to go into this place. I wanted to feel sorry for myself. I did. And I wanted to have a pity party. Poor old me. And I'm sure Job, we read about him, wanted to have a pity party. He did. He did. And we all do in some of those places. But when I read that scripture... When I read about that, the word prisoner of hope, all of a sudden I started realizing. I, I laughed. She laughed because you had all kind of 
Did you laugh because you had stomach surgery a little bit? I just, it was kind of how it was when I read it. When I, how I saw it when I read it. And because how I saw it when I read it is like devil. Whatever, whatever you sent my way, I'm laughing at. Because to be a prisoner to something means you're bound to it. That means that you're connected to it, like Dexter and I. And, and, and right now, I am just, I'm connected to him. And, and I thought about hope, and I thought about my past, and I thought about everything I've been connected to in my life, uh, the things that tried to bring me down, the things that tried to hinder me, the things that tried to pull me down. And I thought about that, and I laughed, because no matter what the enemy sends my way, no matter what the enemy sends my way. It doesn't matter what it is. All I gotta do, let's just say Dexter's hope right here. All I gotta do is move my arm a little bit and I realize I'm in bondage to something, but not what everybody else is in bondage to. And that means I'm in bondage to hope. I cut a little bit, but there's still hope there.
easy way out, perhaps that's somebody. And, 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 but if, you, if you'll try to cry just a little bit for yourself too much, all of a sudden you'll move that arm and you'll feel that chain locking a hold of you because you're in covenant with Jesus Christ. You've got a blood covenant of the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And you can try to get over here where the enemy wants you to be. And you can try to stay in the pit of despair. And you can try to live in a pit of depression. But hear me. All of a sudden you realize as you're trying to reach for this that God has reached for you with your other hand and is pulling you back because you are a prisoner of hope. A prisoner of hope. You can be seated next to you. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand of praise right now. He's a good God. Zechariah says this in, in, in chapter 9, and read chapter 9. You, you should go home and read. It, it, it's a beautiful, powerful message. And, and he prophesies five years before his triumphal entry, 500 years before Jesus, somewhere around that. First of all, that he was coming. So they were looking for him. Second, riding on a donkey. Third, he would cut off the battle bow of the enemy. Fourth, you would be in a blood covenant and be delivered five from prisoners out of the pit. Six, you would become a prisoner of hope. And then seven, that he would render double unto thee. That he would render double unto thee. Sister Duvall, could you come here for a second? I feel the huge you for just a moment. I know you don't. I, I, I know you don't have a pity party. I know that. I know that about you. But, but, but you are connected to hope. You are chained to hope. And when you want to feel sorry for yourself, and you want to go over in that pit, and say that pit's right there, you go ahead and try. All of a sudden there's bondage of hope that pulls you back. And you can want to and you can try again. But guess what? Bondage pulls you back. And it's not letting you. Because you're a chain. You're in prison. You're in bondage to hope. And hope is going to see you through. The darkest days. And hope is going to see you through. Those sleepless nights. And hope is what God has given you to be chained to. Because He has put you here for a purpose and a reason. And that reason is to give hope to others. And, and to be that chain.
read Matthew 21 on your own. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That is who is in this place today. And Zechariah 9:11 said, there's a blood covenant that you have between you and him. And I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein there is no water. A blood covenant, a blood covenant is more powerful than any other covenant. You have a blood covenant with the Lord. If you have been born again of the water and the spirit, you have this blood covenant and you can run and you can hide and you can tell God no. But God's love just keeps chasing after you, just keeps pursuing you. God loves you so much He won't let you go. So He put you in bondage to this thing called hope. And that next scripture talks about you have hope. In Hebrews 11 it says faith is the substance of things hope for. And God has placed that hope inside of you that no matter how bad it gets, you've got hope. You can't give up because you have hope. You can't give up on your loved ones because you have hope. Maybe your son, maybe your daughter, maybe a grandchild or a niece or a nephew has just spent it all and, 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 and has brought you to your life, to your breaking point. Can I tell you, you still are chained to hope. Let's lift our hands right now. Oh, Jesus. 
you're a prisoner of hope. Then that scripture says, the next verse, verse 12, turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. When the Lord considers you worthy enough to go through whatever mess you had to go through, when He considers you worthy enough, He doesn't do that without a plan for your future. He does not do that without a plan for your future. And, and, and if we read about Job and we look at him, we can go all the way, we can go through the whole 42 chapters of Job, but when you get to the back of that book, all the hell he went through, all the trials that he went through, all the devil fighting he went through, all the times they accused Job, all the times, times that they said, this happened to you because you sinned, or this happened to you because you, 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 need, to, you need to repent, you need to apologize, Job. And, and, and Job was racking his brain, you know, what did I do? What, what, what was so bad and, uh, that, that I've lost all my children, that I've lost all my uh, finances, I've lost all my oxen, I've lost everything I've got, now I've got boils on my body that I'm just kind of scraping them with ashes because I'm in such misery. And, and yet, Job never cursed God and he, he remained faithful. And it says in verse 12, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand she asses and also seven sons and three daughters and he called the name of the first Jemima and the name of the second I'm not even going to get into those names God bless Job he gave him double for everything that he had went through not that he gave him or paid him to go through something but anytime God considers you worthy of making it through a trial and you decide to hold on to hope. Let me tell you at the end of that, God is going to bless you. God is going to do more for you in the end state of that than what you had at the beginning. I'm here to tell you over and over in the Word of God it shows to be true. So what does that mean? So when the enemy convinces you to go jump in the pit when he tells you to go ahead and have a pity party when he, when he convinces you Don't go back. Laugh at him. I've only got hope. I'm only chained to hope. That means no matter how bad the situation is, I still have hope. No matter, no matter how down the situation is, I still have hope. No matter how much debt you're in, I still have hope. Oh, hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? I'm telling somebody in this place right now, you are chained to hope. You came in here in despair, but the Lord of glory loves you. His hand is upon your life. He wants to see you through. He brought you in here because he wanted you to realize how much he loves you. And you had messed things up so bad that you can't get back to him. You have done so much that you can't serve him. You, you haven't ran so far from him that he can't reach you. He's in this place because he brought you in here. Chained to hope. Would you lift your hands with me all over this place? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, would you lift your hands with me? God, I worship you. Oh, hallelujah. 
Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord with her. Let's worship the Lord with her as she sings.
just yet. We will have the announcements and offering. But after a message that has identified the prisons that many of us may be in, emotional prison, prison to pornography, prisoner to addiction, prisoner to thoughts, beliefs, feelings that we can't seem to get rid of. We realize that we can let all of that go and we can get connected and become prisoners of hope. If you're in the building today, you haven't received that breakthrough that you need. You've repented of your sins. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. And you have that blood covenant with God. Don't leave this building before you become a prisoner of hope. To the one that has not taken on part in that blood covenant, I want to offer to you that before you leave here today, if you haven't repented of your sins, you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus and been filled with that gift of the Holy Ghost, you have an opportunity to be a part of that blood covenant with Jesus. To receive that salvation the Bible way. I want to offer that to you. Don't leave in the same prison that you walked into the building with. Get connected and become a prisoner of hope. That faith that is the substance of things hopeful.
in the house today in these two services we're able to leave here with a newfound hope in Jesus Christ we may have walked in with a little bit of hope but that hope has been increased exponentially for us to leave here changed and with the word from the Lord we have, have hope in Jesus Christ I'm thankful for that that we have that hope in Jesus Christ. As uh, our ushers come and those that are assisting with today's tithe and offering, we definitely don't want to miss out on the opportunity to give in the house of the Lord. I also have some announcements. Our spring extravaganza will be next weekend, April the 8th at 1 to 3 p.m. and that will be followed by Sunday, April the 9th, our Easter service. If you haven't, we want to give you the opportunity to give towards candy that is needed for our extravaganza and Easter program. So please, as you're giving in the offering, consider that or bring in candy prior to next weekend. We want to bring up uh, some of our armor bearers from our fishing trip, if they're in the building today, uh, if not, we'll make sure that they get their prize. That is uh, the armor bearers fishing event that was at Bryant Common last weekend. Our first place winner is Elijah Rodriguez. Elijah Rodriguez. All right, so. Uh, Elijah and our second place is Lucas Morris. Lucas, Elijah, if you're here, please come forward. If not, we're going to make sure that the coffee shop gives them their gift card credit to be able to visit our coffee shop. Let's give it up for our first and second place winners of the All Bears Fishing Event at Ryan Connors. If you would, stand with me at this time. We're going to pray, go to the Lord, and ask His blessings over the offering. Uh, also, for those that have not signed up for the Carowinds trip, uh, there are some slots that are open. At the end of the service, there's going to be a meeting uh, with our uh, family pastor, Pastor Munden. Please meet with him in reference to the Carowinds trip. Right over here to my right, possibly your left, according to where you're standing, where Reverend Munden is after the service. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. Oh God, you bless us, oh Lord Jesus, above, oh God, all that we need. Lord, first of all, you bless us spiritually, Lord God. Oh God, you bless our household, and Lord, you bless this body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for all that this church does for our community. Oh, God, as we give into the offering today, as we give our tithe, let us, oh, Lord, give, oh, God, without grudge, oh, Lord Jesus. Let us give openly, Lord Jesus, for we know that if we give, it's going to be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Oh, God, bless those that have it to give, those that do not. Bless our homes abundantly, financially, spiritually, emotionally. We ask blessings in Jesus' name today. Amen. As you
come to give, shake hands with someone that you haven't met, give in the offering, tithe and offering. At this time, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.